What's up, you guys? We're so happy you're here to listen to us today. This is Leah and Brittany. You know the vibes. This is a mindful podcast. We got a little bit of humor and gossip thrown in here, and we are so excited for you to listen to this episode today. This week, I wanted us to talk about millennials. And I think that this, we've, we've had a little bit of a theme going on, I feel, Brittany, um, with just like growth, you know, self-discovery, yeah. self-development. And I felt like talking about the millennial generation was such a great way to almost kind of like wrap up that whole topic. Yeah. Can you hear all those words? I can hear them singing. Okay. Yeah. It might be a nice uh, a background noise, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's like little motivational time. <laughs> we have the, the beautiful uh, Georgia birds in the background. Okay. So, yeah. So, I really wanted to talk about millennials and our generation. And this is a topic that I've always found to be interesting, obviously, because I'm a millennial, but also because it's a really big topic just on the internet in general. I think that's a given though, right? Like all generations always have entire, like people who dedicate like their entire lives to studying that generation. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted us to talk about it a little bit, Brittany. I've been doing, I did a little bit more reading to make sure I could gather my thoughts on it and um, like write down some like cool things. And you said the stuff that you pulled up was a lot about the workforce and stuff, which of course is a lot of what I read as well, because that's uh, a big part of our generation and why Always. we are the way we are. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I kind of like to break things down. Like we're all just kind of like thrown into these like random buckets of like generations. So there's the silent mm-hmm. generation, which they were born 1928 to 1945. And then there's the baby boomers, 46 mm-hmm. to 64, generation X, 65 to 80. I'm, I'm speaking years, so 1965 yeah. to 1980. <laughs> Millennials, 81 to 96, and then Generation Z, 97 to 2012. Um, so we fall, you know, we're, we, are, we are the future, basically. And I think that that's really hard for, like, baby boomers to grasp. Um, so, like, right now, like, I'm operating under the kind of anger of the Texas governor banning abortions past six weeks. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that that is, like, a great kind of like starting point because what I have been realizing especially over the past like couple years joining the workforce and all of that is that millennials care less about money and being the boss and that kind of stuff we care more about equality we care more about um, taking care of each other rather than just like the fight to get on top um, that's my, right. That's my my interpretation. Anyway, um, I feel like so many so many millennials, especially millennials and Gen Z. You know, Gen Z is actually the future, and they're gonna they're gonna do great things. Like I know people make fun of Gen Z, but Gen Z is gonna fucking change this world. I believe. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I remember where I was going. That's okay. So I'll piggyback off of that. So yes, while Gen Z is the future, they're the future after us, right? Mm -hmm. So our generation is still like, we are only just now coming into positions of power. 
So Gen Z still has an entire generation before they're actually in charge. So yes, they're the future, but we're the ones who are, are about to be in charge. We're starting to, yeah. But think about it. So right now we're not in charge. Millennials are not in charge, but right. we are the ones fucking screaming at the boomers at Generation X to do different things for the future. So whenever right. we are in charge, we will have Gen Z screaming at us saying, dude, no, don't fucking do that. Do this. And we, I feel like we will be different in the sense of we'll listen to Gen Z. Whereas, you know, yeah. boomers are like, fuck you, millennials. We don't give a <laughs> fucking fuck. Y'all are lazy. Y'all don't give a fuck. So we don't give a fuck. You know, I feel like that is, yeah. that is going to be the difference. So whenever we are in charge, we're going to be taking the thoughts, the ideas, the the inspiration a lot from the younger generation, the way that we were ignored, we're not going to allow that to happen whenever millennials are actually in charge. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that. You know, we're just because we're just now getting this year, this election year, we had a few a few people across the country in our age bracket that are in office now, like they're in senator positions. And it's really cool because we're about to, you know, in coming years, we're about to start seeing some really cool changes with the millennia millennials going into higher power. But what I wanted to, I want us to back it up a little bit before we get into why our parents think that we're lazy, right? Yeah, let's do it. And so, all right. So the millennial generation has been called and quoted the unluckiest generation. Okay. We have all lived through multiple really, really large historical events. And I know in this last year in the pandemic, of course, it was almost like a little bit of a joke with our age group of people, but it's, it's that self-deprecating type of humor where it's like, oh, I don't want to keep living through historical events. And it's funny, but it's actually very, very true. So you have to think of 9-11, right? I was in sixth grade when 9-11 happened. You were probably, what, fourth grade? I was in... I always forget, like, the exact... Holy shit, Brittany. I always forget like what our actual age gap is. So you're in second fucking grade. I I was in sixth grade. And I think, I believe the oldest of, of millennials were in high school, like freshmen or sophomores in high school. And then um, it goes down to children that were toddlers about, because you were born in what year? 94. Yeah. So if you were in second grade, so yeah, like kindergartners, toddlers, that's our gap of people that were shaped because of what happened with 9-11. So I'm at the age where I've distinctly remember it happening. We watched it in my homeroom classroom. I remember kids leaving school. Like I remember the whole thing very vividly. And then I, I vividly remember all of the changes that happened as a result, as far as like security measures. Right. So that's, and we don't have to get into like a big thing of all those things that happened because we all know, but that was massive. And then not long after that, only a few years after that, we had the great recession. 
which millennials, people think that the boomers, that our parents took the biggest hit, but that Gen X actually didn't. Millennials actually took the biggest hit of any other generation during that time because we were the ones that were in school, like go either, you know, going into college, graduating high school or graduating college. And we were at such pivotal points of young adulthood of finding careers and finding jobs and going into that, the workforce and the work field. But what happened? All these companies had to downsize. All these huge corporate companies had to get rid of the kid that just graduated because we needed to keep on the 45-year-old father who's been here for 20 years. So our gen went from, fuck yeah, we're becoming adults or, you know, I'm going into what's going to be my career. I'm going into studies. Well, fuck, now I need to go get a bartending job because there's nowhere hiring or I have to go work at goddamn Waffle House or McDonald's because there's literally nowhere else that I can get a job. And that is where it started of the boomers calling the millennials lazy because we have master's degrees working at Dick's Sporting Goods. But it's not because we're lazy. We're actually all really, really determined to continue getting better and to continue being educated. But there's nowhere for us to go. Totally. Because our generation are the ones that got fucked up from the Great Recession. And we never recovered because everyone was focusing on the Gen X to recover before us because they were the ones who were owning homes and owning cars and owning businesses. And raising us. Correct. Yes. Yes. So that's where, and Brittany, um, I know you said that was mostly all this stuff. I just wanted to kind of give those two big like pretenses as to why the great recession wasn't just the recession. It was also us figuring out how to survive after nine 11 and half of our generation going to the fucking middle East, Totally, so, you know, and we're all dealing with our friends that are either going into college, getting married, having kids, or our friends that are literally dying. And then coming back with like intense coming back with, uh huh, or they're paralyzed or they're missing limbs or they have drug addictions or they're coming home and they have such bad mental illnesses that aren't being taken care of that they then take their own lives. So where our generation is, it's, we're comparable, apparently we're comparable to the generation of the 1950s. Okay. Because of the Vietnam War and then the aftermath of everything with the great depression. So the fifties are the most common to us. I gotcha. A big change that will be brought about. So, you know, yes, we're, we're seen as the lazy generation or like the job hopping generation, but I think that we are the generation that is going to change what working looks like and what like the actual work life balance looks like because 40 hour the 40 hour work week is going to die with our generation i'm i'm just like so sure about that um we're going to fo- we we're just focused on like living our lives and experiencing things rather than let me work let me work let me work let me work for somebody else that's actually making all the money let me you know, get paid this menial wage, let me live paycheck to paycheck. I think that it, I don't know how, of course, I'm not like the, the, I don't have like a major in like business administration or business or anything like that. Um, I don't know what it's going to look like, what that new picture is going to look like. But I know, so now, you know, we've, the past year, we, 
went through COVID where the workforce changed, was forced to change to completely Mm -hmm. remote. And now the boomers in charge, and that might just be coming from my anger towards my current situation, but the boomers in charge are now forcing everybody to come back into the office 40 Mm -hmm. hours a week. And you know, the, the, the companies that are determined to actually take care of their workers, to take care of their mental health, to give them like the actual appropriate work-life balance are changing with the times. But the other companies that have higher ups, that have upper management, that are stuck in that baby boomer era, they are holding on for dear life because they're afraid of change, afraid of losing their own status, afraid of that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, I'm with you. And you actually reminded me too, and I even, I wrote it down. I just hadn't said it yet. It That all also goes hand in hand with school, with college yes. and, and the workforce. So yes. our, I, there's a really great quote that I have pulled up on my phone that I wanted to read. And it's about, because they also call our generation the failure to launch generation. Okay. So we're not only the unluckiest, but it's we also we have the fear of growing up or we're growing up slower. So the boomers have actually debilitated us. Not I don't think it was on purpose. I'm sure there's some people who it was on purpose, but <laughs> um so this quote it says we were sold on the idea that getting a good education would set us up for success in the working world. We could have everything our parents had if we only followed our their example and pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. We were all taught that if you not not maybe if you go to school you get good grades you get your education and your degree you then will get married you'll buy a house and you'll have a good job yep first of all a small percentage of people actually want that as their dream right yeah but (laughs) but besides that that is such an asinine way to look at how a path of an entire generation should be, right? It's not actually that way. So something else that I read was that our generation sees that and they see that that's the plan. That's the goal. But what we actually see is that anyone who is actually living that life is just pretending to be happy. And that that apparently is like such a thing for Americans is to pretend to be happy. And our generation is like, nah, bitch, listen, if I'm going to go to school and if I'm going to put myself twenty-five dollars to $200,000 in debt, I'm going to change my goddamn major if I want to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to stay in the same, the same course because you said that I need to because I actually decided you don't have the life that I want. So I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to get a different degree. And that's where all of that debt comes in, the student debt, this, this, all the loans, multiple degrees now, but then the workforce is still fucked. Yeah. So now you have these mid 20 year olds to mid 30 year olds with multiple degrees or half unfinished degrees. Our work history and work experience is long as fuck. And because of the pandemic, we all realize that we can make really, really great salaries by doing things that we didn't go to school for by doing things from home, doing things on our own schedule and on our own times. And so now everyone's like, wait a second, what was this dream that we were all just sold on? I'm not doing this. I'm, you know, in fact, I'm going to stay in mom and dad's house and I'm going to keep living here because you guys jacked up all the, the cost of living 
Yeah. And uh, we're just going to chill. And you can call me lazy all you want. But uh, when it's time for me to buy a home, it's going to be the size of your fifth home instead of it being, you Amen. know, a shitty apartment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I know whenever I was going through it, I was, you know, I won't say that I didn't judge people who didn't go to school, but I, because I definitely did, because it was just like I was in all honors classes. I made straight A's um, in college. I was in the honor societies. I was that kind of student. Mm-hmm. And then, now looking back, I'm like, none of like it mattered, but it didn't fucking matter. Right. And I thought that it mattered so much more than it did. So now, like you were saying, yeah, we're the lazy generation and all that, but we're the most educated generation. Yep. Because Statistically, we actually literally are. We are. And yeah. so so not only um, are are we statistically smarter than the boomer generation, than Gen X? And I'm, that's not saying that they're fucking idiots. I mean, they're fucking right. smart and they they run things, but they just run things differently than the way we would run things in our educated mindset. And if you if you notice, there are a lot of even millennials who can't let go of that baby boomer mindset because they. Mm-hmm. I feel like those are the type of people who never asked questions growing up, they just saw what their parents did. And they were like, yes, this is the blueprint. And so now they're like the millennials that are in that weird stage of like, uh, you know, that that agree with like the weird, like Republican things that go on are that are literally the people who never asked questions growing up, they just yes. followed what their parents did. They, they put their parents on a pedestal, which, you know, it's great. We love our parents and our parents did the best job that they could absolutely do, but there's always something to learn. And, you know, we are the generation that learned that and that, right. that we're, now we're teaching that to the, to the younger generations of ask questions, know that there's a place, a different place that the world can go that will further not only it'll it'll just further like quality of life for us for yeah. for the people at the bottom like fuck the people at the top like i'm talking the biggest the like like leah elson said like she wanted to make the biggest impact for the biggest amount of people i feel like that is like millennial speaking does that make yes. sense like did, yes. like do i've been thinking about her saying that i want to make the biggest impact to the biggest amount of people and i'm just like yes that's <laughs> that's exactly like our like i feel like our generation anyway where you know yeah. the older generations just worry about them how they can keep them at the top and keep everyone else at the bottom whereas we're like okay we're hugging each other and we're taking each other to the top with, you know, we're not leaving people behind. With that, I was already thinking of, of reasons, you know, after I've read a few different articles this morning, but like I said, I've, I've read a lot about this in general anyway, but as you were saying that I was remembering some more things that I read on that exact topic as to why, you know, we don't want those same things. And we also just don't want to run things the same way. And it has everything to do, you know, pandemic included with all of these horrible things that our generation has had to just kind of deal with. And so what that's done is a, and this isn't part of uh, the humor that we always have. This is an actual statistic. Our generation has more mental illnesses, 
um, than anyone else. We have anxiety and depression and disassociativeness. And it's not because, you know, a lot of people like to say, oh, well, it's just because it's a fad and it's because people feel comfortable talking about it publicly. Everyone has always had these mental illnesses. We just didn't talk about it. It's true to an extent, but it's not actually true. We all actually do have more of these these social problems and it's because of all the things that we've lived through. There's, I don't know if you watched the show Euphoria. It's on uh, HBO. The very first episode, she she's narrating about how she was brought into the world and that she was born on September 11th, like when the planes were crashing, she was born. And there, she like had listed the statistic, the American statistic for how many babies were born that day and how like the statistic of the number of those babies that were born that day and how many were medicated by the time they're in like fifth grade, how many were in therapy and all of this. And even though obviously they don't know anything other than life after that. It's because they were babies and they were toddlers as the world and all the grownups of the country were trying to navigate what the fuck just happened to our country. And so with that, we all have grown up to be like, okay, well, we could be under an attack at any time. We could lose our homes at any time. We could lose a job that you've had your entire life at any time. You know, now this is obviously referring to the recession as well. So with that long-winded explanation or preface to what I was going to say is we don't want to be stuck in office buildings. We do not want to be stuck in jobs that we hate. We do not want to be stuck in relationships that we hate or cities that we hate. And we it's because we've been shown our whole lives that absolutely nothing is promised. Nothing is guaranteed to stay as it is. And like nothing is sure ever. And we just don't want to live in a way that we're going to be like, well, fuck, you know what? I could have been working on my laptop from a beach in Florida, but I stayed at this god awful job in the middle of the fucking country. And I'm working in this office with no windows because, uh, why? Why? Because that's why, you know, that's what, what we're told that we should strive for, which is so bizarre. Like what the fuck is that? Like, and some people like that. Their children. Yeah. I'm, I am grateful every single day. You know, we've joked about my parents being a little cuckoo. Uh, I'm grateful every single day that I was not raised in a college driven home. Um, my, both of my parents were trade workers. They they got to actually get their trades and degrees in high school because back yeah. then they did actually care about trades and teaching them to young kids. <laughs> so, and they, you know, by the time they graduated high school, they both were in their careers. And my mom stayed in hers for 20 years before she switched. My dad still literally does the same thing. And um, not to say that they stayed in careers they didn't like, but what it was was they weren't pinned down by going to university for four or five, six years, and then pinned down by the debt that follows with it. So we were encouraged like, hey, you know, you can go to school, absolutely, but there's also a lot of options um, that don't involve school. There's options that involve you moving wherever you want. <laughs> so just like kind of decide before you decide totally. is what we were taught. And that's what I did. Totally. So for me, I wouldn't say that my parents like forced me down that road, but I had a lot of pressure because I was the academic achiever in the mm -hmm. house, um, you know, first generation to go to college and all that. That's a lot of pressure. And especially like in their mindset of like college is like the future. And, and we yeah. all need to go to school and we all need to get educated and all of that. Especially and, with you know, an, an immigrant parent also, yeah, absolutely. I think is like a huge um, 
you know, factor into that because she's like, um, hello, you yeah. are here for a reason and you are going to school. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't necessarily regret that you went I to school. I don't regret it at all. Yeah. yeah. And I just know that like I'm where school got me is not where I want to be. Right. And so I feel like I didn't have to to do that. I didn't have to take out the debt. I didn't have to do all that. But, you know, looking back, it's like, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda kind of thing. Um, Right. And then now it's got me in a place. And I think that so many other people can relate of we're scared to jump off. Like we've got the golden handcuffs, you know, we're in the corporate Mm -hmm. setting. We're getting paid good salaries. We don't have to like worry about how am I going to pay my rent this month? But we're unhappy. We are, we are not fulfilled in our day to day of making money for somebody else. And so I think that eventually it'll, you know, all of us, all of us, all millennials will get the courage to be like, no, this is archaic. We're moving forward. We're doing Mm -hmm. what we want that actually fulfills our souls rather than drains our souls. Right. Which is what um, another, you know, something that I had pulled up was about how our generation doesn't want to grow up, which I kind of have briefly said, but it's also, it's because the ones, you know, like you're such a great example, like you're growing up, like you have a big corporate office job, like you have to put on business casual clothes and you have to go in and talk to other adults and, and, and be an adult. But then what that does is like, you get home and you're like, God, that was fucking awful. So what do you do is you put on, yeah, but what do you do is you put on cartoons and you put on fuzzy slippers and you put on cat ear headphones and Brittany doesn't do any of these things, by the way, that just like came into my head. I don't know why, but you, it's just, I'm trying to set the scene of, of you come home from this big adult corporate job and you're like, wow, I don't want to fucking do that again until I have to. And you get home and you revert back to what's comfortable, what's fun, what's happy and what's relaxing. And for most of us, that's just going back to what we know, which is more like childhood stuff because it's nostalgic. And it's not that our generation is the only ones to do that. Obviously it's like a very normal thing to do. Like we've all definitely seen our moms curled up on the couch and you're like, well, you look like a kid right now. Um, But it's because those are coping mechanisms to help yourself feel better. But the reason why our generation is at the like top of conversation it's just because of our age it's just because we're the ones that are now these young business professionals you know especially the ones yeah especially the ones that are older millennials like older because I'm right in the middle I was born in 90 so or like I'm in the bottom half even so the ones that are even older than me are are 40 now yeah actually 41 I think is the yeah they call them they call them the geriatric millennials (laughs) I think my brother-in-law is one year off. Like, I think he's the year, the last year of Gen X. And so he's like a few months from being what would have been a millennial. And so sometimes yeah. he tries to be really cool. And we're like, dude, you're old as fuck. Even if you were, even if you were born four months earlier, you're still old, dude. And we'll laugh at him and make fun. But he is. He like doesn't know how to use his iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> so- Back backtracking. To, yeah, we'll bring it back. <laughs> backtracking to the the part about 
you know, when we get home from work, we do these things that replicate like our childhoods. Would you say like, I haven't even thought of this until you were speaking about it, but would you say like us as a generation, we were forced to grow up too, too quickly. Yeah. Um, because of all those like horrible events and so that's Mm -hmm. why we kind of revert back to i just want to fucking live my life i want to have fun i want to experience things i want to see the world working it will never be my top priority it will never be my top priority you're right that and that's exactly what it is like anything you read or watch on this topic on the topic of millennials and why we are the way we are it all comes down to that it comes down to this it comes down to we have all dealt with way more trauma than we should have as a generation and we're like still literally in the middle of it and so yeah that's why we're all we all have the fuck it's like all of us are like nah fuck that fuck this I'm not doing that again. We all have the fuck it. So that's funny. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you'd noticed, but whenever you were talking about the Euphoria show, I started tearing up, mm-hmm. which was because. Yeah, because her were, father died. When you were talking. Is that why? About, no, I, no. Oh, okay. It, it was. So I started tearing up because trauma lives in our body. So mm-hmm. I like the people born on September 11th, they were born into a whirlwind of yes. trauma. Like imagine giving birth and at the same time, because everybody's TVs were on. Oh yeah. You know, the hospital was like turned you on know. to that. And so like imagine giving birth, it's already a tra- traumatizing experience for the mom but then the mom is also having to internalize everything that's going on in the world, everything mm-hmm. that's going on with, with 9-11, that's the, the literally watching us are giving birth. There, it, it was imparted into our generation of trauma, of traumatizing, a traumatizing era. I don't know. It, it, and it made me start tearing up because I feel like yeah. that has been like such a big theme in my life the past couple of years of like realizing that trauma lives in your body. Um, and so we, it's like, we all have this like internalized trauma for, for different reasons, of course, but back to the whole idea of where the, where the most affected, where the, the biggest generation affected with mental health issues I think yeah. like we're all just coming to the realization that our childhoods were fucked up. They yeah, were fucked definitely. up and and that shit matters because the things that happen in your childhood you take into adulthood and if you refuse to look at those those things throughout your life it'll only take you down with them and uh past generations I feel like have ignored everything that go has gone on in their childhoods and stuff. Cause I think, you know, like we're like right now we're the furthest, you know, humans have ever been today. We're the furthest that humans mm-hmm. have ever been. So of course, like, yes, things were better in the nineties than they were in the thirties, of course. So we're not saying that, you know, generation X and boomers don't have that childhood trauma, but they had a lot of shame in in even looking at the childhood traumas yeah for our generation we don't shame each other for looking at the childhood traumas yes they they were raised in the because i said so generation no is no generation where we all and that's something else like 
why it's so prevalent or it seems very prevalent right now to us. And it's because of our age, because mid twenties to early thirties is a very, very transformative time for all humans. And so like you and I, obviously great examples. That's why we're talking about it. It, you know, we both have been going through these stages of, of healing and recognizing and remembering trauma and realizing when things like actually happened or when we made it a joke and, and, and I'm laughing, but like, you know, that's the stages of how things happen. And, and so we all are like, no, you know what you lived through that and we don't have to act like you didn't. Yes. Yes. We don't have to pretend like that wasn't a thing because it's actually a really big thing. And I went through it too. So let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's, we don't have to suffer in silence anymore. You know, that's like, you know, we're human beings. We're like, you know, almost like pack animals. We, Mm -hmm. the more that we talk, the more that we're close to each other, like we, we crave human interaction and not only just like positive human interaction, but just knowing that we're not alone in our experiences, in the things that are going on in our heads is so important. Yeah, dude. Well, then the internet, gosh, if you bring in technology and the internet to it, it it changes everything completely as well. Because obviously, you know, we are the testing generation. We grew up, you know, I remember when my classroom got our first computer Mm -hmm. and like only one computer and you had to like sign up to use it. But then we also had computer labs where once a week or twice a week or whatever it was, our entire class went into the computer room and you learned how to use the computer. And then you flash forward to now and Brittany and I have a podcast halfway across the country with one another and we're speaking live and can see each other and we're recording it and we can give it all to you. But I say that because again, we are part of that generation that got to grow and evolve with technology, which means that we have access to more people than the generation ahead of us ever got to have. So we can talk to people from across the country, across the world and be like, holy shit, you get, go through that too. You feel those things too. And like, we can end up saving each other's lives, you know, because I mean, how many stories will you hear randomly where someone's life was changed because they posted a video and someone commented on the video and they were like, yo, uh, I noticed a switch in your eye and it's happening because of this, this and this. And I know that that was a little bit of a tangent, but it's, it's to say that again, with the millennial generation is why we're like, no, fuck that. I'm not living life like that. These people over here are showing me a better way. Yes. That you maybe wouldn't have been connected to those people or those things or experiences without technology. Yeah, for sure. And I think that like you, for instance, like your your line of work where it is very driven by social media, like you do show people, I think people like to follow influencers because you do show people that there is another way that as mm-hmm. it, yeah it's not easy and you still have to put in the work um don't get me wrong but you don't have mm-hmm. to put in the work for somebody else right so that they can profit so that that attorney can have a 200k paycheck versus your you know 50k paycheck you know like mm-hmm. you don't have to do these things that we were told makes you successful Right. Um, everybody, everybody's version of success looks different and that's okay. Every, everybody sees everything so differently. And if you are happy with it, then it's okay. Who gives a fuck what the 60 year old thinks down the street? Who gives a flying fuck? Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's, it's just, it's really interesting. And um, I clearly enjoy talking about it because yeah. it all just helps you figure out why things are the way they are. And I know not everyone cares about the why, but I definitely care about the why. The why is important. Yeah. 
it helps me. But not everyone's that way. Yeah. Amber's not a why type of person. Yeah. But then when you tell her the why, it will always make her feel better, even though she, like, says she didn't care. Yeah. So you're right. Everyone needs the why. Everyone needs the why. Well, in, in yeah. everyone needs the why. And maybe some people need the why given to them differently. You know, because we all right. we all ingest information differently, and so sometimes it, it's it's happened to me so many times where somebody will give me information, and I'll be like, "Why the fuck do I care about that?" And then somebody else will give me the exact same information, but will give it to me in a more soft way, or or in a, from a more feeling standpoint, and I'll be like, "Oh." Okay, that makes sense, you know, and so right. like, and and sometimes you you naturally like this is just human nature. You respect somebody else more than you respect that original person, and so when that original person gave you the information, you're like, ah, fuck it, fuck them. What do they know? <laughs> you know. But then when somebody totally. else that you look up to gives you, you're just like, oh, oh, I should have listened. I should have listened. Yeah. But anyway, I think. This has been a great topic and I'm glad that yeah. you suggested it because I would have never looked into it otherwise. Yeah. I hope it maybe made even made you feel a little bit better because I know that you've been in the dumps about your job lately and, Such you know, maybe it can encourage you to keep working on all the things that we've been talking about and get you out of that place. Let's go. <laughs> so, Brittany, I wanted to ask you something before we get off. And if anyone else wants to, um, you know, participate on their own, what, just because we've been like talking about it and stuff and we haven't brought it up today, what habits have you been working on? Or maybe is there anything new that you want to focus on, you know, at the end of the month? Okay. It's about to be full blown summer. So I don't know if there's anything or anything that like you're proud of up until this point. I'm asking because we're like past the first quarter of the year, you know, totally, totally. and I think it's a good time to on this same topic of today to kind of bring up. Yeah. So I don't know if you've thought about it lately. So the last maybe like nine, 10 days in Denver, it's been very rainy, very stormy, all of that. And so I've definitely been down in the dumps in, in the whole yeah. seasonal depression mindset. And so now like it's switched and the sun is out and it's beautiful yeah. out. And so, you know, you just like automatically feel better. And so for a second, you know, I let all my habits like go completely out the door and mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm an extreme, like I live by extremes. And so I'm always just like, well, I'm going to do this, 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 this. And if I don't accomplish this, 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 then I fucking give up because I can't fucking do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I've been, you know, uh, brutally, I think is a good word, brutally aware of that type of mindset. So I've, mm -hmm. I've taken a step back. I've looked at the things that I wanted to start like habit wise. And I, kind of scrap them in the sense of I need to start simpler. I yeah. need to start in a much simpler way in order to get myself to even want to do these additional things. Mm -hmm. um, and so one thing that I've started to do is every night before bed, I prepare my coffee for the morning. So I just get up, I hit yes. the power button and the start and it it starts and within ready. a couple of minutes, I have my morning coffee and that I can't tell you how much has helped me just like get out of bed in the morning, just like get out of my, yes. my wallowing in, in my depression of, oh, I have to go work my nine to five. It's helped tremendously. And it's, it's 
Okay. It's just like put me in a different headspace. But what about you? I know that you have your your Enneagram three. So habits for you and working towards like something more grand is it comes it comes naturally for you and you naturally yeah. have that drive. And so I'm curious to see like what else you've added. Yeah. I so I've stuck with all of the things. Stuck with them all. We've been doing the habit tracker on my phone. Um, I do the the planner and stuff on on my desk and then my notebook. <laughs> um, but what I've been doing, it's actually been it's been helpful in the opposite direction is not being so pressed for the timing of getting things done. Okay, and just going more with like, okay, you just have to do this like before you go to sleep. Like, yeah. there's not a time limit on it. Like, because for a little bit. I was like, oh, if I don't read before like three, I'm not going to fucking read. Yeah. But it wasn't because I was telling myself I wasn't going to. I was telling myself, you failed if you don't read by that time. Gotcha. There's no point in picking up the book if you don't read by that time. And it's like, how ridiculous is that? Because I don't go to sleep till like 11. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so, so I've been trying to switch that. So there's been times where I've read after dinner. And you know what? I still enjoy it. It's, the book isn't different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if I've anything, been doing that. Yes. And if yeah. anything, I feel like just because you don't do something in the morning and you do it at night, you're kind of like in a different headspace in the evenings. Yeah. And so, you know, you may end up liking reading in the evenings more than reading first thing in the morning. You know, you know, yeah. I mean? no, definitely. It's something, there's something, there's probably some guru that we don't even realize because we were subconsciously like watching infomercials or something. There's probably someone who said you had to do your habits and routines first thing in the morning. And that's why we're like, oh my God, if it's not done by lunchtime, I fucking failed. Yes. Let me tell you that that is not true. And I don't it's know where that true. mindset comes from. And it's funny because I tell nutrition clients something similar all the time. Like I tell nutrition clients, I'm like, oh, I don't care when you eat. Just get it in from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep. Like you can eat all of your calories in one meal. I don't care. Don't throw it up. Yeah. You better keep it down if you're going to hoard all your calories, but you can do it. It doesn't make any difference to me, but really like, and I'm not actually, please don't, (laughs) but you know what I mean? But it's like, it's still ultimately, it's like, all right, well, eating them all at once is better than not eating them at all. And it's kind of like the same with the habits, like just getting them done is better than not getting them done at all. Who the fuck said that you have to do something at a certain time? Amen. Yeah. So that's what I've been um, doing and, and working on as far as like the personal stuff, personal yeah. growth. Yeah. And then besides that, just like trying to be more vocal and audible with myself about where I think my path is going and where I think it should be and where I got strayed from. Okay. Because I know I've talked to you a little bit. I don't, you'll have to remind, I don't know if I've talked about it on the show as much or just to you. I think more just to you, but about how I feel like the last few years of my life, I've just been living in this weird like space. Okay. And so now I'm trying to get back on track on like where my, my path and journey is, is, not supposed to. Supposed to is a bad word, but I can't think of a better word right now. Where your trajectory is going. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Or where it could be going, I yeah. guess. Yeah, so I've just been trying to focus on those things. Oh, okay, wait, this is a good one. Okay. This is one of the ones where I was like, wait, I have to talk about this on the show and I have to tell Brittany. Because I did this like, oh, like two weeks ago. Okay, tell me. 
I muted almost every person that I follow on Instagram on their stories and on their main feed. I only see about 10 people shit now and it has changed my life. If I'm not interacting with you, it is because I straight up have your ass muted. And it's not because I don't like you or care about you because as you know, Brittany, I've always had a very strict rule that if I feel like I need to mute someone, I just don't follow them. Yeah. This is a little bit different. This isn't because I don't like the people I follow anymore. This is because I was spending too much goddamn time on that godforsaken app looking at shit that doesn't fucking matter, looking at things that are not making my life any better. They're not helping me do anything more. And um, I'm just nowadays, nowadays, just telling myself I am straight up better than what the other people are doing. What I'm doing is more important. And you guys actually don't deserve to see what I'm doing because my idea is going to blow your idea out of the water. And so I need to stay on course by muting you. I got you. Um, well, and you know <laughs> I know that was a lot of energy and attitude at once, but that's how I've had to go about it so that I can be like, no, those are distractions. Well, social media is a, a monster in itself. And I, th- I feel like we, we do get lost in, in the phone addiction and all of that. So I think that muting people is absolutely great because I'll spend time just like flipping through people's stories and – and you're like not even actually watching the story. Never. You're just like clicking, clicking. And like 45 minutes go by and I'm like, what have I done? You know? And for like what Leah said, what she's doing is the most important. That is completely true for Leah. What I'm doing me, right. is the that most is my important. Thing. And that is completely yes. true for me. And I hope that the listeners know that everything that you're doing in your own life is most important. Put yourself oh, totally. first. Put yourself yes, first. Always, people. always. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was great. I'm I'm proud of you and all the things that you're doing, Brittany. I'm proud of me and all the things that I'm doing. I hope you are too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, this was good. I like this. Like I said, I had already said I like this topic. I hope that it was at least if nothing else, just a little bit like relieving to someone yeah. to know that um, the reason why you have like really insane disassociative feelings or it's because of our generation. It's not because of you. Yes. Um, it doesn't mean you shouldn't work on it, but it's not like a hundred percent a you problem. Totally. <laughs> DMs are always open. Our emails are always open. We have our anonymous submission link in the description that is always open to you guys. Before our final, final closing notes, I want to really please, uh, just shy of begging you guys to leave us a review, a rate and a review. We say that because it does really, really help. Not even in like, not in any type of a monetary standpoint, just in a, um, you know, discoverability standpoint. The more rates and reviews we have, the more we'll pop up on people's news feeds. And yeah. you never know, we could change someone's life yeah. with our voices. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next week, you guys, next week is Memorial Day. Brittany and I are going to shoot out a really quick, and I promise this one actually will be quick. We're going to put on a fucking timer so we don't go over it. We're going to give you a how to day drink for Memorial Day to survive it to dinner next week. Don't miss it. We love talking to you guys. Brittany, you want to sign us out? You got anything else? You know the vibes, baby? You know the vibes, baby. That's all I got. (laughs) We'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Bye. (laughs)